This is Moonshine and Scoreboards with Kevin, Landon, and Justin. Hello and welcome to Moonshine and Scoreboards, episode 12. I'm your host, Kevin. We've got a very special episode today. We're going to do the same old recap that we normally do, you know, recap college football, week 11 action, talk about, you know, the terrible Saturday that it was. Then after, we're going to dive into the drama. We're going to get into the big story, the elephant in the room that everybody in America wants to talk about. And, well, while we are a Tennessee sports podcast, we are a sports podcast as well. And the things that are happening up in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan, they might end up having to relate to Tennessee at some point. Um, so we're going to unpack all of that. And to join me in unpacking all of that is my wonderful co-host, Justin. Justin, how are we doing this evening? I am doing great. Thank you for welcoming in me and Kevin. I am happy to be back. Um, you know, both of us sort of like licking our wounds after Tennessee did get their butts kicked over the weekend. But at least it's basketball season. So that's fun. And that's going well so far. It is basketball season. Um, that That's, you know, that's the that's the highlight to our dark, dark cloud that is Tennessee football. Um, the, the basketball's. Looked good last weekend. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I watched a half of it because for some reason we tip off at 9 o'clock on the East Coast when we're playing a, a team that's in Central Time, not Pacific Time. But it's okay. I'm not complaining. Um, just Grandpa got to go to sleep at some point, you know. So it is it what it is. One. It was late. It is. Um, but let's dive into college football. This people, The people want to know. The people want us to lick our wounds. I'm sure we have a whole bunch of Missouri Tiger fans, all 12 of you that are Missouri Tiger fans um, out there. They they want us to lick our wounds, so so let's get to licking. Um, yeah, I mean, Tennessee, 30, Tennessee loses 36-7. to seven. Um, This was pathetic. Yeah. I mean, they looked absolutely lifeless, and it was... I was dumbfounded by it because I thought that this team, knowing that they would have something to play for, because, you know, the Ole Miss-Georgia game wasn't till later on in the, in the evening, and they, they had something to play for still when their game kicked off. I figured that they would come out and, and look like they did against UConn. They, didn't, they, they looked better against they – they had more – fight against UConn than they did against Missouri. Um, and, and it looked like on all three sides of the football that the Tennessee offense, um, the Tennessee defense, the Tennessee special teams, the Tennessee coaching, it looked like they would all rather be anywhere but Columbia, Missouri. And just abysmal, abysmal. You know, sometimes you can we come on here and we blame Joe Milton or we blame the, the play calling or we blame the officials or, you know, we blame this, that, and the other. This was the blame rests solely on the players and the coaches of Tennessee. You can't, there's no, no going around that one. This one, you just got pantsed on national television. So what yeah. were your thoughts on that just beat down? 
Well, full disclosure, I only watched the first half, and that's because I had a event to go to that started at, at uh, six, and so I had to hit the road. I had to get down there. But um, watching the first half, it's it's crazy because I didn't think. Sure, there were a couple missed opportunities. I I felt that had had Tennessee played a little smarter, uh, saved themselves some penalties, maybe a turnover here and there. We should have been Tennessee should have been leading Missouri at halftime at least. What I'm gonna say, let's I'll be fair and say ten to seven at least should have been the score, if not something a little more, uh, you know, in Tennessee's favor. But it was kind of wild because there were a couple mistakes that were made that you you can point to and just and just say, wow, it, we had all this opportunity to set the tone, especially starting the game off on the first drive. Missouri is tearing up, you know, our our defense. They're driving down the field, but Tennessee comes up with a big interception um, and a really nice interception return, flipping the field position putting us in Missouri territory with the ball. And then we come out and just go three and out on after the first play, which was sort of a swing pass where we gained like, I think six yards or something. The next two plays were runs and just got totally stuffed. And it was, I thought that that really was sort of indicative of how the rest of the game went. Like we had, it was in our hands to do something with it. It was in Tennessee's hands and we just couldn't find a way, whether it be motivation, whether, whether it be players just being in the, in the wrong place or the communication not going well, something was going on there. And that apparently carried through. Even all that being said, we didn't look great in the first half, but, but we were still only down 13, seven and we got the ball after halftime. So I still felt, when I left the house, I'm like, this is going to be okay. It was an ugly first half. We'll come out and it'll be fine. But another thing that I did notice watching the first half, did you see how many times Missouri was able to get lined up and snap the ball before the Tennessee players even looked like they knew what the defensive play was, was supposed to be. It happened several times. And that was shocking to me because what do we do? Our offense runs tempo. We we purposely do that to get mismatches, to wear out the defense, to hopefully catch them out of position before they call play. And Missouri did it to us multiple times. The the linebackers all look into the sideline like, what's the play? We don't know what to do. And then they have to suddenly try to react because the ball is snapped. What what the heck was going on? Yeah, um, easily the worst defensive game that we've played all season. Yeah. Easily. I mean, coming into the game, Everybody was saying, oh, well, Tennessee's defense is really good. Tennessee's run defense is really good. Well, we just allowed a record-breaking performance yep. against that very vaunted run defense. Um, and, I mean, credit to, I believe his name is Cody Schrader. Schrader, yeah. Uh, credit to him. He he just, we couldn't do anything to stop him. I mean, it was no. it was almost as if Missouri was just like, oh, well, you've unlocked something, and and they can't stop us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there was, he just had, he had the game of his career 
Um, and of course, it was against us in a game that we won and could have been going to the SEC championship game. The college football playoff rankings came out last night, and, and Missouri's number nine. So if Tennessee would have won, we probably would have been number nine. Yeah. And and would have been in line to go to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Now, you know, it's it's who knows where we're going. Um, yeah. So, well, Kevin, since you watched the second half, here, here's the thing that really puzzled me. I looked at the stat line after the game was over. I looked at Joe Milton's box score, and it didn't look bad. It didn't look like Joe Milton had a bad game. You know, he threw, I guess he threw an interception. Or no, there was a fumble um, mm-hmm. where uh, the running back, like, bumped into his arm. And I guess it was a, a initially called an incomplete pass. But then they oh, yeah, the that's when I turned the game off. Yeah. It, but it was definitely, I mean, you look at it, it was definitely a fumble. Yeah, it was definitely a fumble. Uh, but, like, what was, go- like, how is it we didn't score a point in the second half? What What was happening to our offense? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, we, I don't know. I mean, I think that Milton had a decent game. He had a decent game. I mean, the box score, score looks fine. But the obvious answer there is that the run game never got going. And, and Tennessee's run game is like their bread and butter. And we've said it all season. The run game opens up the big plays for Joe Milton, opens up the passing pass. Uh, paths for Joe Milton and when the run game never got going you know Milton a lot of times he had to improvise you could tell that the plays were breaking down and he had to make decisions on his own um, as if like routes the Missouri pass defense was really good I mean the Missouri yeah Milton on paper he had a good game but a lot of that was in garbage time and then we would get down the field, and it's the same thing that's killed Tennessee all season. They get in the red zone, and they can't score. Um, or you get past the 50, and your drive just dies cool. out. And you're too far away to kick a field goal and too close to punt, and you go for it on fourth down, and you don't get it. Or you take a penalty, and then you punt, and, and Missouri gets the ball. And this is where I think that Missouri – had the right mindset and the right play um, play calling coming into the game. After the first quarter, I knew that we were in trouble because when Missouri – these are 15-minute quarters, and I believe Missouri held the ball for 14 minutes and 10 seconds in the first quarter. In the first quarter, yeah, that was yeah. insane. Yeah, And I was like, yeah, this is we're in trouble because they're, they're going to hold this ball the entire game. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, that's exactly what they did. And we, I mean, I don't think Missouri had a long touchdown the entire game. It was just, we're going to hand the ball off to Schrader. We're going to short pass the ball to Schrader. And your guys can't tackle him. That's the bottom line. And and sure, seven points to the scoreboard looks bad offensively. But I mean, it's more of an indictment on the defense. Because look at the time of possession. I don't think we had double-digit time of possession minutes-wise. Missouri controlled the game uh, from start to finish, and and it's a bad loss. This is a bad loss. Um, It it hurt. It's 
Is it the worst loss of the season? I don't know. I don't know because Missouri is better than Florida, and we looked awful against Florida. But that's a rivalry game. You kind of expect that, right? This game, especially under Heupel, I was so confident last week. I was like, Heupel does not lose to Missouri. Not only does he not lose to Missouri, he beats the crap out of Missouri. Right. And and with everything left to play in front of you, I mean, it was it was bad. The bigger picture for me is not, you know, going forward on this season or whatever, because you got Georgia and Vanderbilt left. You're probably going to split those two games, and then you're probably going to go to, like, the Music City Bowl and play, like, Rutgers and beat them by 50. Okay? Mm-hmm. Whatever. See, eight and four, season's over, you know, season's over, season's done. You go nine and four, I guess, after the bowl game. Um, my bigger picture is we have to figure out how to play on the road. This yeah. is, this is, I mean, you look at the three big losses of Heupel's tenure, or the three worst losses of Heupel's tenure, we'll say that. Florida in 23. Uh, Missouri in 23, and South Carolina in 22. What do those three games all have in common? They're all on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't know, you know, we've got a 14-game home winning streak, so we know that this team can play at home. This team beat Florida at home last year. This team beat Alabama at home last year. You know, this team won, game, won all their games at home so far this year. We'll see if that continues on Saturday. I don't think so, but we'll see if that happens. But you know, hell, if they went on if they went on Saturday at home, something's got to give because then you know, Neyland's loud, but Neyland to be this loud to where you lose by twenty nine to Missouri, and then you come home and you beat Georgia. That's that's. I don't think it's Neyland. Got to be right. a little bit more than that. Yeah, something else going on. Yeah, right. So I don't know what you have to do to play better on the road, but you have to figure out how to play better on the road because here's the crux of the matter, right? Is that Tennessee and under Josh Heupel, they're not just satisfied with going, you know, I'm not no longer satisfied going nine and three. Eight and four is not the bar anymore. That was the bar under Butch Jones. That might've been the bar under Jeremy Pruitt, whatever. That's not the bar under Heupel. After you go 10 and two your first season and you win the orange or your second season and you win the orange bowl, you know, now your expectations are raised. And Tennessee's always been a program that if you have the right head coach, there's no reason why you can't win here and win consistently. And here's the bottom line, is that if you're going to be living up to the expectations that the fan base has, which is going to a 12-team playoff, we expect you to be one of the 12 best teams in the nation. But sorry, you know, we might say it might be too high of expectations, but you've shown us that you can do it. So now we expect you to continue to do it. And you're going to have to win some road games. You're going to have to. You can't have, yeah. you can't be losing three road games in a season. You know, I know that one of those games was Alabama this year. I get it. You know, but you can't be losing to Missouri and, and that Florida team on the road and expect to be in the playoff next year. Yeah. You know, because that, that, Sure, you can have one. You can have a loss going. You know, going forward in the twelve team playoff, you'll be able to have a loss. Hell, you might be able to have two losses mm-hmm. and still get in. But three, and for all intents and purposes, four next week. No, no. You know, and am I saying that Josh Heupel's seat is hot? No, of course not. 
and I saw a lot of that on Saturday of people being like, oh, well, you know, Hypo needs to go, and the message boards were were going crazy, and on X, people were going crazy, and and that's stupid, okay? Yeah. Let's not forget where we've been. You know, we had Cornbread Coach. I don't know what Landon calls him, Coach Cornbread or something, uh, just, you know, just a few years ago. That was a laughing stock. We had Derek Dooley in his orange pants on the sidelines just a few years ago. So, you know, we it, it's been bad. We've been to the bottom of the barrel. So we don't need to go run off the best thing that's happened to the football program since Philip Fulmer, okay? But in the same breath, we need to start winning on the road. And just Kentucky doesn't count. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you've got to start winning on the road. I agree, yeah. I mean, the LSU win last year was great, and I thought that maybe it was going to be uh, a sign that this team, you know, was going to be sort of like roadproof. But the South Carolina game last year is is such a head scratcher, and we'll talk a little bit more in a few minutes about why maybe that happened. Oh, we will. Don't you worry. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, this year it is a real puzzle, and I will say, the Missouri loss, the point spread is embarrassing and hurts but losing to missouri this missouri team um, in columbia isn't nearly as bad as that florida loss was because that florida team is just you're right that florida team is just bad and there's we had no business losing to that florida team but what what it does appear is happening is tennessee when it faces adversity on the road just sort of doesn't know what to do. They sort of wilt. They crumble under the pressure. We didn't really, that didn't happen against Kentucky, but I don't think that game was ever really in question. Um, so it really sort of makes you wonder, is it player leadership? Is it coaching? We've come out of the locker room looking terrible in, in three road games. So there, you know, something's going on there. And I remember the thing that still sticks in my head is the Brew McCoy quote after the Florida loss, where he said, after the first drive, when they scored the touchdown, he said, we just didn't believe we could keep having success. What what does that mean? Like, I, I mean, that, and, and maybe maybe that is the mentality, but that's a loser mentality. So and you and I I mean it sucks that if the players feel that way that sucks but you, you I mean I don't know who you point to other than the coaches now I agree with you though yeah I agree with you I no reason that anyone should be talking hot seat with Josh Heupel that's ridiculous that's crazy people have fans have the shortest memories of anybody I can you know tell you that but yeah we we need to be very grateful for where we are now compared to where we have been. And we, we have Josh Heupel to thank for turning things around. And by the way, let us not forget, we just now got out from under that the NCAA sanction, you know, storm that was hanging over this program that just cleared up this year. And I think people forgot that Josh Heupel came in. The cupboard was bare. 
no talent on the team, not not SEC level talent. You've got the, the NCAA. Yeah, the whole team left. You've got NCAA sanctions hanging over that are possibly going to come down and maybe give you a bowl ban, reduce scholarships, whatever it may be. You didn't know what that was going to be. He had to build a team and start winning despite those challenges, and he did. So for people to just like brush that aside and be like, well, I don't know if he's the guy, it's it's foolish, really. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I've always been a big Hypo guy, and, and until Hypo proves to me that he can't do it, I'll always be a big Hypo guy. But at the same time, I think it's it's fair to, to put the blame on him. You know, for and, yeah. and the whole coaching staff for this loss. Absolutely. I think it's fair for this loss, for the Florida loss, for the South Carolina loss last year. You know, I think that's all three of those are fair to put the blame on the coaching staff. And and Heupel is the head of that coaching staff. Um, because, yeah. like you said, the players, if Brew McCoy is saying we don't feel like we can continue success after the, the first drive, you know, what? What? what yeah. What? You know, you still have a whole game. What are you talking about? Um, you know, if you've got, I forget who said it. Hell, it might have been Brew McCoy. Uh, said, I think it was an offensive lineman. After the Alabama game, we thought we won after the first half. We didn't have to come out in the second half. We thought the game was over. You know, you can't have that mentality no. and and have the type of success that you should have at the, at the school. You can't, bottom line. You can't. Um, but let's let's. I guess we can close the book on that terrible, terrible loss. Yeah, um, let's move on. Uh, let me. I know you want to talk about Michigan, and, and I want to get into Michigan as well. But let's circle back to the the rest of Saturday because there was some other games um, on Saturday. Uh, Georgia. The game that we thought was going to matter a lot for Tennessee, Georgia throttled Ole Miss fifty-two yeah. to seven yeah. or fifty-two to seventeen. That um, they look. I'm. We're gonna get into a just a very quick preview of the Georgia Tennessee game. I'm dreading it uh, because Georgia looks like they're hitting on all cylinders. Um, yeah, Brock Bowers is back. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how he's back already. They were saying that he was done for the year, and this dude misses like three weeks and is already back, caught a touchdown in his first game back. Um, they're just, they've got a machine. Um, Florida State, Miami. Florida State won by seven, 27 20. Uh, I know you were sweating that game. Uh, um, as, as your honorary Florida State fan, I, that that's the game that I switched over to the Tennessee game from. Mm-hmm. I took the Tennessee game off the big screen and put Florida State and Miami on the big screen uh, because I was like, this is actually a good game, and Miami might win. And, and you know, kind of sucks for Emory Williams, who had a great game, uh, and and dove for a first down, a first down on fourth down in like ten. Dove for the first down, got it, but he also hurt himself in the process. Yeah, and then Tyler Van Dyke, who's started the entire season. For Miami, uh, but was benched for this game because of his turnover issues. Comes in and promptly throws the game ceiling interception. Um, I was like, "Dang, dude, that's a tough draw <laughs> for Miami." Um, and then before I get, I guess Michigan and Penn State, Michigan top top fifteen matchup. Michigan wins twenty four to fifteen. 
Uh, Blake Quorum had a good game. Uh, Sharon Moore took over the offense or the head coaching duties as Jim Harbaugh uh, was being his suspension that we're going to talk about shortly. Um, I, I don't know if Harbaugh is going to be able to coach again. I, I think he's dead. Is he dead? Uh, I guess he's alive. I don't know. From the interview after the game, you would think that he would be dead. Um, and the way that all the Michigan players were acting, you'd think he's, you'd think they were honoring a dead guy. Um, <laughs> but, but he's just suspended, so he's not dead. Not um, dead. He's not dead. We do, have, we do have some coaches that's jobs are dead, though. Uh, oh, yeah. Jimbo Fisher. He got. Oh, my God. We, hey, can we just say, we were talking about him earlier in the year and talking about, yep. <laughs> you know, but we were just talking about how there's just no way that Texas A&M can make a move because they've locked themselves into this big contract. And, I mean, I agreed when we were talking about that because it is insane. Now this dude is walking away with $76 million for getting fired. Yep. It's, that's incredible. Good luck to him. Have a great life. Don't ever coach again. You don't need to do anything. Just go away. Enjoy your money. Yep, there's nothing better than being a fired college football coach. No kidding, I've, good. Great. I've always said that's that's just the greatest job in America is to be a fired college football coach. Yeah. Um, seventy six million dollars to go <laughs> sit at home. To go home, yeah. And, and people are like, "Oh, well, he may come back and coach." Why would you? Why? Why would 76 you? Seventy six million. <laughs> Why deal with the stress? Why deal with anything? Yeah, you're good. You're set. And and I think nineteen million of it had to be paid within like six months or something. Yeah, that's so, generational money. Like <laughs> you don't have to ever do anything again. Like your kids don't have to do anything again. Your grandkids probably don't have to do anything again. Like you're good. Uh, um so yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. Uh and then Zach Arnett got fired at Mich- Mississippi State. Funny because uh Jimbo Fisher won. They won. Oh, yeah. Won to 10 he won the game. And yeah. Against Mississippi State and then got fired before Zach Arnett got fired. Um, I guess. Oh, the, that is know. crazy. Has that has that ever happened before where both coaches coming out of a, a game where they played each other, both coaches got fired? Uh, I would love to. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't. That's wild. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's. It's. I, I thought it was funny that Jimbo finally got like a win that they were wanting. Like a, they've been searching for a decent win, and Mississippi State's not a great team, but it is a decent win. Um, they Mississippi State have had a lot of success against A and M recently, um, and then they fired him that night. They said, "All right, you're done." Or the next morning, they said, "All right, you're done." And evidently, that decision was made Thursday. Yeah. Uh, because they didn't want to have. <laughs> they didn't want to run the risk of Jimbo beating LSU and then having the same thing happen like last year where Jimbo beat LSU and then it's like, oh, well, he just beat LSU. You know, we can't fire him now. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like they, they, they didn't want to run that risk. They went ahead and canned him and then Mississippi State was like, oh, well, I guess we should go ahead and can Zach Garnett, you know, because the guy that beat him just got fired. So fired him the next day. And then UCLA followed suit with yesterday. Uh, firing Brian Kelly, um, so the the coaching carousel is heating up. Wow, uh, the, the player, the people are getting fired. Yeah, um, 
I only want to talk about this AM job just real quick because this is like a keystone job. Uh, Josh Pate said that on the on the late kick show with Josh Pate. Um, it's a keystone job. I he everybody says is one of the top fifteen jobs in the country, um, and I would agree. They they have them. They they clearly have the money. Well, uh, I don't know if they still will, but yeah. Well, it was funny because there was a something going around on as a post going on 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 X that at halftime of the Mississippi State A and M game, they honored somebody honored the team or whatever and donated like a hundred and fifty million dollar check to <laughs> the athletic department. Wow, that was like the go fire Jimbo money. I get. I don't know, but I mean. So that's enough to cover Jimbo's, you know, <laughs> buyout, and then got a new coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, I mean, they've they've got that oil money down uh, at A and M. Um, I think the two big. I mean, who do you, who, who have you even like thought about who would who A and M could go and get and maybe replace replace Jimbo down there? Who who you could see down there? Well, like you said, they've got all the resources they need, and I do think that it's a it's a at least a top fifteen job is probably fair because you've got the fan support, you've got the athletic department money, you also have a ton of resources for NIL, which is why they've been stacking these recruiting classes and then doing well in the transfer portal as well. So, I think you know I, I know a lot of names are going to be thrown out there. I think. Haven't people already thrown um, Lane Kiffin's name out there? There's only one coach in the SEC that loves money more than anything. Yeah. I don't... Lane Kiffin. <laughs> I don't know how you'd... I mean, it feels like making that move would be so silly after he just lost 52-17 to 17 to Georgia, but, um, you know, uh, I feel like we're going to hear Dion's name thrown out for this job. That would be interesting. Um. I think uh, who's coaching James Madison? Should we put that evil in the world? Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know who the coaches at James Madison, but yeah, that that would be an interesting hire too. Because they're doing well, they're still undefeated, uh, you know, in in the top twenty-five. Um, yeah, I mean, they they really can back up the dump truck, you know. I think wasn't it Oregon's coach who came out and said he's not going anywhere because there were yeah Dan Manning yeah yeah people asking that was rumored asking him some questions um so I you know I think they they really could maybe have their their pick I don't I don't know if they go do you go with an NFL guy do you go with a guy you know who maybe has some experience in the Southeastern Conference do you do you call Urban Meyer <laughs> I don't know. That's been a name that's been thrown around. I know. Um, so, what, what do you think? Where do you have any uh, top candidates right now in your mind for this job? Yeah, I mean, they've got the money to pretty much go out and get whoever they want to, minus like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Yeah, uh, I think those are like the only two guys that are like one hundred percent not leaving their job. Um, nobody thought Lincoln Riley was going to USC. Right when he when he dipped out, nobody thought Brian Kelly was going to Notre Dame when he left uh, Cincinnati. Nobody thought he was going to LSU when he left Notre Dame. <laughs> right? Um, no, nobody thought Lane Kiffin was going to USC when he left in the middle of the night. So, 
Well, I mean, you could say the same thing about Nick Saban from Miami to Alabama. Yeah. From my from the pros to Alabama, you know, nobody thought that. Um, I'm gonna throw two names out that I think are high up on their list, and I think that would be Mike Elko from Duke. He was their defensive coordinator a couple years ago, and he's done really well at Duke. Um, and then Kalen DeBoer over at Washington, who has done really well over at Washington. Yeah. Um. I think those are two names to watch. I still think Dan Lanning's on the table. I mean, you have coaches all the time that sit there and say, oh, well, I'm never going to leave my program, yada, yada, yada. If you oh, want, yeah. if you want sure. me to leave, you got to see. Well, you say that till a donor from A&M writes you a check for $100 million, and then you're like, okay, uh, I'm out uh, because <laughs> Nike money ain't covering that. Um, so I, I wouldn't count out Dan Lanning yet. The name? Big surprise name, kind of like the Lincoln Riley or the Ch- or the Brian Kelly. Um, Dabo's had a lot to say this year over at Clemson, and he's he's always said, you know, oh, I'll, I'll, there's always been the rumors of him leaving Clemson to go to Alabama or whatever um, after Saban leaves, but maybe he goes from Clemson to A and M to get in the SEC until Saban leaves. And then goes from AM to Alabama. Um, so I I I wouldn't say I think that Dabo is going to leave Clemson, but it wouldn't sh- I wouldn't be shocked if Dabo if they go and get Dabo, which would be wild. Um, I mean, he Clemson's pretty much a cult. AM is a cult, you know, so he's used to running a cult program, um, and so you know he it, that would be a It'd be an interesting hire uh, if Dabo Sweeney went from A&M or from Clemson to A&M. But uh, let's move on real quick. Do you have any pressing thoughts on the Georgia-Tennessee game? I literally put on my notes, yikes. (laughs) Um, Just a couple wrap-ups to some previous conversations. First of all, the Georgia-Ole Miss game, I was looking at the box score of that game. Do you know how many passes in a 52-17 to Defeat. Do you know how many passes Ole Miss threw in that game? I don't think very many. 24. Yeah. But that's shocking. That's shocking to me. Georgia threw 26. They ran the ball. Ole Miss ran the ball 45 times. It's And that's, that's a lot of plays. Um, also, the time of possession was pretty close. I think it was like 30 and some change and 29 and some change. It was almost 50-50. So, that I, I didn't get to watch any of the Georgia Ole Miss game, but what a lopsided score uh, for a game that, if you look at the stat, I mean, well, yardage-wise, it's very lopsided. Georgia had six hundred and eleven. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's crazy. They they, threw, there's, they there's your answer to the score. They, well, I know they ran the ball. They they had three hundred yards rushing. They had three hundred eleven passing. Um, they had a couple really long uh, runs, like one of fifty-one, one of thirty-six. Um, I mean, so I, I know, and they had a, they had a 41 yard, probably, I think that might've been a touchdown. They had a 43 yard pass, a 44 yard pass. So you're talking, those are huge chunk plays, you know, in, in between those plays that I just mentioned, you've got half of your offensive yards, um, on explosive plays. Right. So I guess maybe that explains it a little bit that 
Georgia, they would hold the ball a little bit, and then they'd have, you know, maybe those, they might have ended up in scores on those possessions, then they'd get the ball and, and score quickly. But it's just so weird that Ole Miss only came up with 17 points, having the ball almost just as long. But then, usually in a lopsided game like that, you're throwing the ball 50 times. Right. Yeah, so that's just, strange. that is weird to see. But anyways, uh, so that, that was that. Thought. I will say that every time Georgia got the ball, they scored. Yeah. Ole Miss, could not that, <laughs> Ole Miss's defense could not stop Georgia at all. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's yeah. wild. It was pretty ugly. <laughs> but the, the And then I, just uh, one last thing about the Texas A&M coaching search. So Mike Elko, and I didn't even think about that, but Mike Elko does seem like the most logical potential choice. But is that the kind of name that's going to satisfy those big money donors in Texas A&M? I mean, I know we've been on the bad end of coaching searches here as Tennessee fans several times in the last 10 years. So I, all I know is that, I mean, look what happened with the Greg Schiano debacle. And I know there was other yeah. things going on there, but that was the guy that the fans didn't want. And there was a, there was a revolution in the streets. <laughs> we took back the program. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that being the case, like, do you think that that Mike Elko would actually satisfy the Texas A&M fans? Or do you think they're going to want a big name splash? Uh, I think because he's been there, because he has roots there, um, because he coached there already, I think that that, and they've seen what he's done at Duke. Um, You know, granted, they've kind of fallen off a little bit, but that's been mainly due to Riley Leonard being hurt. Um, So I think that since he has been there already, that, yeah, that would kind of uh, appease them. Um, You know, if it doesn't, Another name would be Lance Leipold from Kansas. He's an yeah. old guy, but he's proven everywhere he's been, he's won. Yeah. Um, and I will say, Texas A&M fans, they're not – this is going to come off wrong. This is going to come off, you know, hateful to Tennessee fans. They're not stupid. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Tennessee fans are stupid, but Texas A&M mm-hmm. fans are not stupid. Um, they, are very, they, are, <laughs> they are very smart fans. So, like, I think if, let's say the roles were reversed, right? And and we were that money with all the NIL money. We were that program with all the NIL money. Uh, you know, we just got that $150 million check at halftime. You know, we just fired our coach, this, that, and the other. And we brought in somebody like Lance Leipold. I think Tennessee fans would, I mean, the Tennessee media, the Tennessee fans would be, saying the sky is falling because they did it when we hired Josh Heupel. Um, And so, you know, they wouldn't be able to look past the name being Lance Leipold, somebody who's never coached at a big name program, to to look and see what he's done everywhere else he's been, which is win, everywhere else he's been. Um, He's turned Kansas, Kansas, a team that went like, a decade without a top without a win at home into like a top twenty five team. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh so okay. yeah, if Texas A and M <laughs> if Texas A and M hired Lance Leipold, they'd be happy. If we hired Lance Leipold, you know, Jimmy Himes would be writing in the in the new Sentinel that this was the worst hire in Tennessee football history. Okay? So yeah. 
you know, I, I think that they'll be happy happy with Elko, uh, and that they'd be happy happy with Heupel too. Yeah. Uh, okay. All the people that said Heupel was a bad hire, you got egg on your face because you. <laughs> Well, those are the same people calling for his head now because they're like, I was right the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy's over there on the sports source. I was right the whole time, buddy. You don't even know how to spell your name, okay? So <laughs> shut up. Um, All right. Now, sorry, I didn't mean to derail us. We can move on. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, we can talk. Georgia. So, yeah, you said Tennessee, Georgia, yikes, right? Yeah, I, I'm i in a tough place because I don't want to be that fan that's like, the team sucks, I don't want to watch them anymore. Uh, it's not that the team sucks. I mean, the team had a bad game. They did suck, but they are they are you know better at home. I just have such a bad feeling that we're not just going to lose; we're going to get obliterated uh, by this Georgia team. That like normally my Saturdays are booked up. Like, I don't want to do anything on Saturday. Don't ask me to do anything. The answer is no. Everybody wants to go see those Hunger Games movie, and they're like, can we go on Saturday? And I was like, you know what? Let's go on Saturday. Why not? Let's go. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'm going to go to the movie, but I'm going to, you know, I made it to where we're going to, like, a 1 o'clock showing. That way it would be at a 4 o'clock. That way I can come back and... <laughs> You know, if something magical is happening, I can watch it. But I don't want to have, I don't want to, like, sit down and watch the whole game. You know what I mean? Like, I'm afraid that I'm going to sit down and watch this game and clear out my Saturday, and we're going to lose, like, 58 to 10. But, Kevin, if you get out of the movie and Tennessee's up, like, 14 nothing at that point, still you're, still good. you're not allowed to turn it on. You can't. Oh, yeah, I won't let right. you. You you are correct. Similar to how we were beating Florida and and you turned you exactly. I yeah. ruined it. We let's learn a lesson from me. You can't do that. <laughs> it's not allowed. <laughs> you better have it set to record so you can watch later. Yeah, it was out. You're right. It was the Alabama game. But you better have it set to record so you can watch it later. Yeah, I mean, if that is the case, like if I get home and I'm getting these alerts from my phone that it's like 21, 28. It's like we're winning big. Then sure, I won't turn the game on. But I mean, I don't anticipate to be getting those alerts. I anticipate to be getting the alerts <laughs> the other way around. <laughs> Twenty-eight nothing Georgia, thirty-five nothing Georgia, forty-two nothing Georgia. Like uh, the spread Ugh. is ten points. I yeah. I think that is a very very generous ten points. I yeah. I don't see any world where we keep this a. 21 point game. I think we're going to get smashed. The matchups don't. The matchups, even if it, even if we had won last week, the matchups do not fare well in for Tennessee in like any of them. Any of the matchups. Georgia has a great run defense. Georgia has a great pass defense. Georgia has a great pass offense. Georgia has a great pass defense. Georgia has great special teams. Georgia has great coaching. Georgia has great everything. That's why they haven't lost a game in like three years. Okay. Um, and I don't think the team that lost by 29 to Missouri is going to be the first team to beat them in like three years. So even if it is at Nathan, they can play this game on the moon. And I still don't think Tennessee is going to win. 
Wow. Wow. So I'm I'm pretty down this week. Yeah. You you are. You are, but you know what? That gives me hope because you You're were right. so <laughs> you were so confident going into the Missouri game. Like you were over the moon confident that Tennessee was gonna like win that game big. And it made me feel nervous so much so that I almost didn't pick Tennessee to win. And I shouldn't have. Because uh, maybe that would have fixed the whole thing. Because we whammied Tennessee. We all picked Tennessee, and they lost. Um, That's but I know. Which is, see, aren't you glad I picked Wisconsin in the basketball game? So then the, the I am. Pass. Yeah. I am. So, yeah, exactly. So I should have done us all a favor. But anyways, um, I don't. It's funny. A week ago, we were sitting in these these exact chairs, and we were saying, we think Georgia's very, very good. But we also think that they're not great. But now you've come around after one game where they, they beat just, the breaks off of a top ten team. <laughs> they they did, but maybe that was matchup driven. Again, it looks like it was a weird game. I didn't watch it, but it looks like it was a weird game just based on the stats and the and the final score. I, mean, I had it on one of the TVs to the left and right, and every time I kept every time I would look, Georgia was scoring. <laughs> It was just like touchdown, 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 touchdown. I was like, okay, well, we're not going to be able to stop them. <laughs> that being, you know, that being said, you know, I, I think, I think Tennessee would beat Old Miss this year. I, I think, I think Old Miss is good. I don't think. Oh man, I, I think we put up enough points. Oh yeah, we would. I, I think we could stop them. I think we would beat Ole Miss. Um, now I'm not trying to sit here and say Tennessee's going to beat Georgia, but I will say this. We've got nothing to lose going into this game now. South Carolina, they thought that, that they were our Super Bowl this year. No, no, no. Georgia is the Super Bowl for Tennessee this year. It's at home. Um, we play well at home. You know, as long as long as the fans show up knowing this is our last chance for like a signature win this year to, to do something big and maybe hopefully salvage our postseason a little bit, the fans, they got to show up. They got to show out because obviously we need that 12th man in the stands. But I just think that Georgia has everything to lose. They they just now got uh, bumped up a spot. So now they're the number one team in the, in the playoff picture um, over Ohio State. They already have got their ticket punch to the SEC championship. So that's done with. That's, that's signed, sealed, and delivered. So... I mean, I look at that and I say, this looks like a game with a whole lot of opportunity for Tennessee. So that this team, if they couldn't find the motivation last week, if they didn't want to be in Columbia, I, I don't know how you get up for a game if you don't get up for this one. Because essentially what you're doing is you're playing the team that probably should win the national championship. So go in and play like you're about to play the national championship. Pull out all the stops, right. do everything yeah. you can. And I, I like, I mean, I, I like the points that you're making. And I'm not, look, and I'm not saying that means that Tennessee's going to win the game because I would pick Georgia to win this game. All I'm, all I'm saying is I don't, maybe it gets away from us in the fourth quarter. I think we're going to give them a fight. I really do. And I think that we're going to give them everything they want for, uh, let's say uh, 40 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> we gave Alabama. We gave them everything we wanted for a half. <laughs> I'm saying 40 minutes. I'm gonna say 
in the third quarter, we're going to be within a score, and then something's going to happen. Joe Milton's arm's going to get bumped by an offensive lineman's butt or something somehow, and they'll scoop and score, and then it'll go away from us. The team will decide they're done. Um, but but I really I do think that we're going to see Tennessee come out and play play um, inspired football. We've got to limit the penalties. We've been killing ourselves with penalties this year. We've got to limit the penalties if we can. I I don't know who we're going to throw to because we don't have a receiver left on the team that's healthy. But maybe it's time for the tight ends to step up. Um, I know the second half against Missouri. Yeah, I know squirrels. I know squirrels. Throw to squirrel the whole game. Yeah, we need Keaton to look like the Keaton uh, last year against Florida. That made that diving ridiculous catch against Florida that saved the game. Um, we need some guys to step up, and I, will say I just think I'm, it's going to be it's going to be a good game for a little while. <laughs> I, I I will say I I I haven't felt this bad about a Tennessee game. Yeah, probably since like Alabama in year one of Heifel. Yeah, I I, I have not felt this bad. I mean, I love the Vols, dude. And I have no desire to watch this at all. Because I I genuinely feel that... I I feel like we could come out swinging on the first drive. And and the crowd will be pumped up. And maybe we'll make them punt. And then our offense is going to come on the field. And the, the... the 11 NFL players that Georgia has on the other side of the ball are just going to bombard us. And it'll just be like, I genuinely feel like it'll be like a JV team playing like an NFL team. Like they're just going to annihilate us on all sides of the ball. Just because, I mean, hell, the Tennessee team last year had was, was so much better. <laughs> had everything to play for and just got curb stomped by Georgia to where the point that to the point that Kirby took the foot off the gas in like the third quarter. He was like, no, we're good. We can put in the subs now. They're not going to come back. So, you know, I don't let know. Me, wait, let me throw you this little tidbit because this is kind of crazy and I didn't even realize this. Georgia's played two road games this year. And yep, I know what you're about to say. I know what you're about to say. They played at Auburn and barely won. They won by a touchdown, 27-20. The other game they played was at Vanderbilt, and they won 37-20. to You think we're going to do worse than those games? Do you really believe that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I don't. I hate, I hate it. I hate it. I hate that I have to say that. But, yeah, I do. I, I just think that – I also think that the opponent matters a little bit. I can 100% see Georgia looking over the Auburn game because Auburn's down this year. I can see Georgia looking over the Vanderbilt game because Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. And I don't think Kirby Smart's going to let Georgia look over Tennessee because that's also a rivalry game. You know? Yeah, but, but what, what I, reason do they have to respect us this year? I, I don't think they need a reason. I think it's just Tennessee. It's Tennessee. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to lose Tennessee. You don't want to lose Tennessee. You want you know, you want to go to Neyland and you want to stick your foot up their butt and let them know, you know, hey, we got you. Last year wasn't a fluke. You know, we got you again. 
this, that, and the other, you know. And and let them sit there and bark in our face all game long. That's the that's what's gonna kill me is them stupid inbred fans (laughs) barking at us like a bunch of idiots. Now my dogs are probably going crazy because I was barking. Well, Um, but I don't know. I I I just think I think we've got some some reason for a little bit of hope. And I hope I'm wrong. We've we've got a coach. Who has shown in the past that he he can draw up good game plans and score some points? We we've got we've got players on this team that have talent. We're not, we're not a JV team going out there. We're we're a Division One college football team. We're we're a we're a middle of the road SEC team, which is better than a lot of other teams can say. And so, if Georgia doesn't come out and and play their best game. If they make a couple mistakes, if we can find a way to get a turnover or two, we'll be in the game. And I think that's all that we can hope for, a puncher's chance. So I say let's go do it. I, I Again, I think Georgia wins. I think they will because I think they probably are the best team in the country this year. But, you know, I think all of us, oh, man, we should have put this one on the list because Landon, I'm sure he would have picked Georgia. We all should have picked Georgia this week. And then it would have worked its magic. Yeah. but. Well, oh, well, bet the mortgage, okay, Paul, <laughs> and everybody else who bets the mortgage. Bet the mortgage, Georgia minus ten. I, I, I feel like that's a, that's free money. Um, but let's get into what everybody wants to listen to, what everybody wants to talk about. This fiasco in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Um, in case you live under a rock. I guess I'll just do a quick what we know as of right now, okay? Connor Stallions is a diehard Michigan fan, served in the Marines. He's an honorable American citizen, right? Served for his country. He's hired by Michigan for his ability to decode the opposing team's signs. Now, under Michigan's, you know, Michigan claims that they didn't know how he was decoding these signs, just that he was very good at decoding signs. You don't ask questions. We just let him work. <laughs> you just let him work. Man was making $50,000, okay? Keep that in mind. He's making $50,000. Sometime after he was hired, don't know exactly how long after he was hired, he began buying tickets to other games in the Big Ten. Not just one ticket, multiple tickets on a $50,000 budget, okay? Keep that in mind. He wasn't just buying tickets, though. He was buying 50-yard line tickets, row one, 50-yard line, to have the perfect view of the opposing sidelines. He was having the best seat in the house on both sides of the stadium. Okay? On $50,000 budget. Um, he would then, you know, you might ask, well, how was he sitting in both seats at the same time? Well, he employed his comrades, his friends, to sit on the other side. And then decode the team's signs like that. Get binoculars, get a piece of paper, write the signs down, yada, 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 right? Then word gets out that he is buying tickets to not only Big Ten games, but about 36 to 40, as of now, other games in other conferences of teams that Michigan would play in the college football playoff, potentially. Mm -hmm. Such as Oregon, such as USC, such as Georgia, and such as Tennessee. What? He was at, 
Yeah, there was Michigan boys. The Michigan boys were at the Tennessee and Kentucky game. That's where I was. Both times. I, I was didn't get paid to spill signs. And I would have curb stomped him if I would have seen him. <laughs> um, so allegedly, allegedly, I put that in big time air quotes because I don't buy the allegedly for a second. Not anymore. Michigan, <laughs> not anymore. Michigan sent those signs to teams that would play um, the teams that would potentially play Michigan in the playoff. Basically, they would sabotage the game in order to not have to play that team in the playoff. Mm-hmm. For example, there is a very strong belief out there that Michigan sent South Carolina sign South Carolina the signs to not only the Tennessee Tigers but also the Clemson Tigers <laughs> in order to not play either one of those two teams. Because I want you, listener, on your free time to go look at South Carolina's team for the first half of last year. They were absolute dog crap. I want you to look at them play against Tennessee. Suddenly, the defense is wearing wristbands. Why? I don't know. Couldn't guess. Didn't wear wristbands the entire first half of the year, but suddenly Shane Beamer wants them to wear wristbands. Okay, cool. They beat Tennessee. Then, wouldn't you know it, they're wearing wristbands against Clemson. Huh. They beat Clemson. Not only do they beat these two teams, they stomp these two teams inexplicably. Right. Then, I don't know they where. stop out of nowhere. Then they stop wearing the wristbands and lose in the bowl game to Notre Dame and lose this year. No wristbands this year. And they look like dog crap again. Huh. Crazy how that happens. What a coincidence. Right. I, would, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't guess it. <laughs> so basically what happens is that the Big Ten, the other coaches in the Big Ten, specifically Ryan Day, leads this whole big campaign about Michigan's cheating, we want them to stop, yada, 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 right? They go to the NCAA. The NCAA notoriously doesn't do nothing for five to six years, so they decide they're going to go to the Big Ten. Uh, Mind you, Jim Harbaugh's already been suspended the first three games of the season for recruiting violations. Um, So already some fishy stuff going on there anyway. But uh, Big Ten launches an investigation, and... The other coaches say that they have concrete proof, yada, yada. The investigation doesn't even get completed before Michigan is handed a three-game or a suspension for the rest of the regular season by Jim Harbaugh. So he cannot coach. This suspension is an interesting suspension because he can coach Sunday to Friday and be around the team all he wants to. Hell, he can be around the team in the locker room on Saturday. Before the game, he can ride the bus with the team on Saturday if he wants to. He can't be on the sidelines. That's that's all it is. If if Jim Harbaugh wants to be Connor Stallions and steal the signs, he can buy a ticket and go sit in the stands if he wants to, but he can't be on the sidelines. That's a very tough, tough suspension from the Big Ten. Um, so Michigan, because this story is the gift that keeps on giving, the week of the suspension that comes down, Michigan says, well, hang on, guys. Before you hand us this suspension, and before you come to your ruling in this case, we want you to know that we have concrete evidence that not only are our steins being stolen, they're being stolen by literally every other team in the Big Ten and being sent to every other team in the Big Ten to collude against us 
and we have concrete evidence of it. <laughs> and so, you want to open this Pandora box, buddy? We'll open the whole box. And when we open it, it ain't getting closed. Um, so, you know, Michigan says they're going to fight for this. They're Then they're going to take the other teams to court. They're going to take the Big Ten to court. They put a restraining order against their own conference. I don't know how that works because, like, what are you going to do? Like, say this, we can't play, the Big Ten's not allowed to their games that are at the Big Ten conference. Yeah, I don't know what that I, means. I, I don't know how that works. Um, but the final hearing for that restraining order is going to be Friday to see, I guess, the restraining order would allow Harbaugh to coach um, on the sidelines on Saturdays. But I, I don't know. I don't know. And then, you know, just to sprinkle the cherry on top, right? Two little tidbits that I left out. One, there's video evidence of Connor Stallions on the Central Michigan sidelines <laughs> playing somebody else in the Big Ten wearing they were playing Amazon Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah. Oh, okay, playing Michigan State wearing those little Amazon recording glasses that yeah. the blue light literally comes on while he's recording. <laughs> Concrete video evidence has been released on social media. The other thing that is just the cherry on top, the judge that is over that is over the the temporary restraining order case, right? Is the same judge that Connor Stallions went in front of a couple years ago because there was a homeowners association dispute between Connor Stallions and one of his neighbors. And the judge ruled in favor of Connor Stallions, but Connor Stallions' main defense was that this neighbor wants to distract me from doing my job for Michigan because he's a Michigan State fan. <laughs> so I, I don't know what we're getting into here. I don't know how you resolve this. Um, but it's a headache. It's 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 but it's also like the juiciest piece of drama that we've had in like years in college. Football. Oh it's so much fun. I, I saw I think it was uh, he's a Tennessee sports writer. His name is Wes Rucker. And I think he was talking about the reason that this is so much fun to cover and talk about is because, yes, it is legitimately cheating because it is against the rules what Michigan is allegedly doing. So there's intrigue around this. And if it's true that they were breaking the rules, they should be punished. And and like big time punished. This is This is big time cheating. And especially if they were interfering in in other teams games that they had nothing to do with that's even worse but the reason that it's so much fun is because it doesn't really matter like no one's getting hurt it's they're not committing a real crime they're just cheating and that's not cool still signs everybody yeah everybody does everybody does every team tries to do it you just can't do it when you're not playing that team that week yeah but you can't pay to go Send yeah. somebody to another stadium. To and I think, and I think, like with the Astros situation, you're not allowed to use technology to do it either. You know, right? Um, so you take those things away, and what they're doing is no different than anybody else. They're just trying to compete. And it, and the and the thing about it is, I also sort of empathize with Michigan because I'm like, you've got all this pressure to win. You're trying to find an edge, and so you're doing what you think well, maybe we can get away with this. It's going to give us an edge and we'll win and the fans will be happy and 
Jim Harbaugh won't be on the hot seat and all this other stuff. Of course, he claims he has no knowledge of any of this, of course. Um, of course, he didn't know anything. Yeah, uh, that's what every coach would say. And then it's going to come out that, like, he personally told him, go do this. Um, but, like, it's just, it's it's one of those things where, especially when Tennessee, like I just talked about earlier in the show. Now, Tennessee legitimately cheated when Jeremy Pruitt was here. They were handing bags of cash to players, not just bags, McDonald's bags of cash to players. And the worst part was we still sucked. We were paying players and, and we couldn't. Before it was legal. Before, and before, it was legal. <laughs> before it was legal and we still couldn't win. But legitimately, we had of the time we were, but legitimately, Tennessee should have been punished for that. Um, and but of course, like the whole coaching staff left and all the players involved left. And luckily, the NCAA was like, we're not going to punish the current players that are there. Whatever. That's all great. Um, but like, I guess going through that as a fan and then also understanding that Jim Harbaugh is just a grade A dickhead. Um, mm-hmm. That like it, I take joy in seeing what's happening at Michigan. I don't from a fan to fan. If if there's a Michigan fan listening to this right now, let me just tell you this: I don't I don't take joy in your suffering, your frustration, your anger about what's going on. I absolutely don't because I feel like as a Tennessee fan, we can empathize with pain and frustration and anger a lot. So I get it. But just looking at the Michigan program, to me. I'm like, burn it down. It's hilarious. I don't know. Oh. It's just, it's just so funny to me. Well, let me stop you there. Yeah. Because if you're a Michigan fan, okay. Yeah. And this comes out that, which we believe that it, they did, but let's just say that it comes out concrete evidence that Michigan sent the signs to South Carolina. Yeah. If you're a Michigan fan, you better, and you see me walking towards you, you better turn around and walk the other way. <laughs> well, they didn't not, do it. Well, no, it's it's your team that did it, and I'm I'm not I'm not holding anything back. You've instantly jo- jumped to the number one most hated fan base. Instantly, I hate you more than Florida. I hate you more than Alabama. I hate you more than Georgia. I hate you more than Kentucky. You, you Michigan fan, you random Bob on the side of the road, cost me a chance at the college football playoff. You did. So, yeah, you better turn around and walk away because it ain't going to be words that are said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to, like, find the nearest lead pipe and take it to your legs and be like, let's oh, go. Nancy Kerrigan <laughs> up in here. No. Yeah. Kevin, I look, I, I, I get it because I, I totally understand. Like, if, if all of this is true, and there's a, there's a lot that would still need to be proven, and, of course, Shane Beamer in South Carolina, they're going to claim no knowledge of any of this, just like everybody else is. And, and whatever, but I think the biggest thing that upsets me about it is you could almost say that if if all that's true and South Carolina did have our signs and that's why they were beating us and that's why Tennessee was struggling so hard in that game, that also somewhat led to Hendon Hooker's injury. And, 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 it cost us the Heisman. Yeah, in, in sort of an odd way because – the way that game was playing out was so strange. The team was straining. There were other things going on too, because we had a locker room issue with Jeremy Banks. But the way that game, yeah, we don't talk about that. But the way that game was played out was was just so weird. And you could legitimately say, had the game been going differently, that all the you know the play calling would have been different. Things would have been different. 
Hendon Hooker might not have been in the position that he was in. He might not have torn his ACL. There's a lot of mites. He might have gone on to win the Heisman. We might have gone on to make the playoffs. Who knows? We it it's it, it is very crazy to think about the dominoes that fell. Um, and you know, while we're at it, why don't we just blame the fact that this year um, we're we're we've lost three games and it's probably Michigan's fault. <laughs> it is. It is. Eli Drinkowitz, whatever, however you say your last name, he had the signs. Harbaugh said them. You know? <laughs> I mean, it could never be the fact that our offense just comes and goes as they please. Right. No, 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 no. no. Harbaugh sent him those signs. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is if that if all of this comes true, what 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 is being rumored that they did send the signs. I really do think that that's like that's you have. I mean, to me, and this is as a fan that's affected by that. Like, you have to give them like some kind of full ban. You have to, because look, like you just sat down and said, you know, look at what all they cost. Not just Tennessee. I mean, you could look at Clemson too. Look at what all they cost Clemson. You know, I mean. I mean, Hendon Hooker could have won the Heisman. <laughs> Hendon Hooker's career, put it this way, Hendon Hooker could be playing in the NFL right now. Right now. If they did if South Carolina didn't have Michigan didn't have our signs from Michigan. You know, now he's sitting as a backup and who knows when he'll get to play. But you know, he could be a Heisman winning quarterback that's in the NFL starting for an NFL franchise today. And he's not. And Tennessee could be a national championship program today. And they're not. And it kind of sucks that it's, for the most part, not something that we could control. You know, they were, we were, we were cheated. I feel like the Yankees. We were cheated. Like a Yankees fan, this happens to me in all of my teams. <laughs> cheated. It's, it's not my fault. No. You know, I, I we play a bunch of cheaters. We we need Fair to start enough. cheating. You know what? We I, need to start. Cheating. Honestly, we probably are in some way. I I would say it, maybe not in the exact same way, but I think that every team, like I said, I think every team's looking for that edge, and who knows what? Tennessee's oh yeah, about. for sure. But um, I do think. I uh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think the Central Michigan thing is so funny to me because... That's crazy. Because they're like, we're launching an investigation into who it was on... How do you not know who is on your sideline, number one? And it's even funnier that Central Michigan's head, head coach is Jim McElwain because he's just... just such, about to say. He's such a dope. He's... Yeah, that's how think, you don't know who's on the sideline because your coach is Jim McElwain. Yeah, yeah. So you can just dress up in generic Central Michigan gear, put on some sunglasses, put on a fake mustache, and just wander onto the sideline. For a that's night great. game. That's great to know. Yeah, put on your sunglasses for a night game. That's that's really interesting. But, uh, ugh, man, that was fun. I, I want to see more pictures of people in bad costumes hiding on right. people's sidelines. Yeah, that's what we should all do for Halloween next year. Um <laughs> But my question is this, right? We've had our jokes. We've joked about this. But in, in a serious way for, for just a second, God forbid, um, Tony Petiti, the Big Ten commissioner, handed down this punishment 
knowing that Michigan has you know, a whole lot of evidence of the re- literally the rest of the conference colluding against them. Um, and not only did he hand it down, just it, it'd be one thing if it was like Iowa or, or Michigan State or Penn State, but this is Michigan, who was in the college football playoff last year, who went undefeated last year, and who very well could be in the college football playoff this year. And he's punishing them before the investigation is even completed. Yeah. yeah My that, question yeah. is, you could say that he's punishing the best team in his conference before the investigation is even completed. My question is, do you think Greg Sankey would do the same thing? If, let's say it was Alabama, okay? Because I think that Ohio State's better than Michigan. I think that Georgia is better than Alabama. I think that both of those are the two second best two teams in their respective conferences, Alabama and Michigan. Do do you think that if it was Alabama, do you think Greg Sankey would hand down the punishment to Saban ever? <laughs> um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no because I think what I don't I don't think there's any way that he would until the NCAA had had made a ruling made him yeah yeah I I, I think that's probably the only way and and honestly it shocks me that uh, the Big Ten has taken steps to punish Michigan already um, and and I do think this is sort of it's a it is a harsh punishment to not have your head coach at the game but it's also like the weakest harsh punishment that you could do because he's still coaching throughout the week. Michigan, you know, they go into the game and I, and I know he's not on the sidelines making the calls, but you still got your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams, coaches, every, everybody's there. Uh, and it, and really it just gives Michigan more inspiration because now they feel like they're playing against the world. So, but I do think that what it should indicate if they were willing to take the steps to lay down a three-game suspension at the end of the year like this, it definitely feels to me like they—they they, the Big Ten feels like they have enough evidence that and proof that this is definitely happening or was happening, which is pretty crazy. Because otherwise, there's no way you don't you don't you don't do a punishment like this without knowing for sure that someone should be punished because you're setting a crazy precedent. In the conference, right to a brand name school too. That's yeah, it. and that's the that's the, the I guess this would be the my last point on this. Yep, is to me the big picture. I, from what I understand, everything that's going to come out about Michigan has already come out. They'll finish their investigation. Um, there's really not anything else that's like bombshell news allegedly. Um, and, and then they'll run their investigation into the other schools in the Big Ten and, and see, right? My thing is, how is it, which I don't think that it is, is it out of the picture that in the next five years, Michigan's out of the Big Ten for because of this? Michigan's like, you know what? You guys came after us before you completed your investigation. You came after us when we told you that everybody else in the conference was colluding against us. You went with them instead of siding with us. So we're leaving. 
we'll go somewhere else and play that will defend us. I wouldn't be shocked if in five years, especially with the way that the conference realignment's going and teams are flipping and flopping everywhere, I wouldn't be shocked if in five years Michigan's out of the Big Ten strictly because of this. Yeah. Which, which would be wild. I, I, would just, I would just say in five years, I think the whole conference landscape and, and the NCAA at large is going to look different anyway. So right. I would say that I'd say based on what's happening now, however this plays out, and then also knowing, just like you said, the landscape is changing with conference realignment, I think probably there's a a, a greater than zero chance that you're correct. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 45. I, I wouldn't put it at 50, but maybe 40% that Michigan would leave the conference. But I don't think it would be like, oh, we're going to go join the SEC, especially not if Jim Harbaugh is there because he hates the SEC. Um, it would definitely be the ACC, I bet. Yeah, maybe ACC, or, or, or they'd strike out and say, we're a big enough brand. If we get a couple other schools with us, we should just create a new super conference. Or independent. Yeah, I guess they could Notre do that. Notre Dame's too. independent. We can do it, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They could. So, anyways. I mean, they're a big enough brand to do it. Um, but it, it's just leading up to the biggest... To me, the biggest Ohio State-Michigan game that we've had in the last God knows how long. And we're going to pick that game next week. But this week, we're going to do some pub dubs. Let's do it. You and I think we should. You're the guy. You're the pub dubs guy. So hit me with it. I guess, All right. I guess tell the people the records and everything. And, and Okay. Okay. Well. At the bottom. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, the got a little choked up just thinking about the overall records um so again landon's not with us this week and landon we want to tell you get better soon buddy i know he's dealing with some some germs that he brought back from his trip to disney so i hope he feels better soon but uh he did put his pub dub picks into the document this week so i'll read those as we go pub dubs this is your pub dubs for week 12 again brought to you by circuit city we're going to get into this Week 11 results, Landon went 5-5. Five and five. He chose not to do a double dog last week. I gave him the option. He said he didn't want to do it. I picked UCF as my double dog, which means I went 6-5, and five, so that took me right out of going 50-50 into the win column. Kevin, you used your double dog on Ole Miss, and that idiot. was a shame. What a big old idiot. Because that caused you to go 5-6. and six. But... You have an opportunity to gain ground this week. If people don't know the double dog rule, we introduced it last week. If you pick an underdog in one of these games, you're allowed to call it a double dog. And if you do, that means two points for a win, but also two points if your team loses. So something to to kind of spice things up a little bit as we go. Now, overall, let's take a look at the big picture. Landon is still in first place, but only by a half game. He is 29 and 21. I am 29 and 22, thanks to my double dog. And Kevin, you are 22 and 29. So it's time to start making up some ground, buddy. You got you to gotta redeem yourself this week. I think you can do it. All right. Uh, uh, I'm scared. Uh, don't be scared. We got, we got some fun games to pick this week. I usually, my strategy is in college football, I try to pick ranked games, games that matter. But if most of those games have a larger than seven point point spread, then I'm I'm going to pick something else. I also try my best to pick a game from 
the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the SEC. That's sort of what I go for, um, and and that's what I did this week. No, this is this isn't a themed week like it was last week with with home dogs. So uh, we were yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna jump out to the West Coast. Pac-12 game is the first one on the docket. Number 18, Utah at number 21, Arizona. When I picked this game, Arizona was the favorite minus a half point. So practically a push. Utah, we know they're not getting their quarterback this year. That was put to rest. Arizona has been giving teams fits at home this year. So are they going to be able to actually squeak one through and get the win here against Utah? Um, The Wildcats could use it or the Utes going to maintain their 18th ranking and continue on their winning ways. Kevin, what do you think? Um, I'm going to go with, I'm looking at the board, right? And I'm trying to figure out where I want to put my uh, double dog or double yeah. doink. Double dog. As it's been for me. Um, I think I'm going to put it on this game. I think I'm going to okay. put it on, well, hang on a second. <laughs> Please hold. So if I did the double dog, that would be Utah. That's right. Winning, right? Okay. No, no, no. I changed my mind. I'm not doing it on this game. I'm picking Arizona to win. Okay. Um, yeah, because Arizona's, Arizona's a favorite. So, yeah, Arizona's yeah, a favorite, yeah, so you yeah. can't do the double dog. So, okay. Arizona locked in. Um, I am going with Utah on this one. Um, just kind of looking at the their body of work this year, I think Utah has played a little bit more consistently, and, and they've done – decently well on the road so I'm, I'm going with utah utah also the pick of land in the dawes zone i'm not using it as my double dog either all right moving over to the acc we've got number 11 louisville traveling down to miami to play the hurricanes louisville coming in as the favorite minus one and a half um now Miami has been pretty funny to me this year, and I've enjoyed watching them do things to cause themselves to lose games um, because misery loves company, and Tennessee's been losing. But I think that in this case, I think Miami has played better at home. I think that, you know, that Georgia Tech game was a, a, a bit of an aberration. I don't know what was going on with them, but they've been a little more focused. I was impressed with the way that they played against Florida State. Um, and like you said, they had a chance to, to win that game. So. For that reason, I am taking Miami Hurricanes to get the win at home, but not my double dog. Over to you, Kevin. Just a single dog. Just a single dog. A Waggles dog. Um, <laughs> give me Louisville. I'm going to take Louisville. I, listen, my, my, my strategy is I have to make up ground on you somehow. So <laughs> I'm going to take the Cardinals. I also think that Louisville is like really good. Low key, I know I said that they weren't very good when they beat Notre Dame, but they actually are pretty good. <laughs> um, turns out I was wrong. Shocking. Uh, but yeah, I'll take Louisville. All right. Uh, well, you and Landon agree. Landon also, in all caps, put Louisville on this one. So um, looks like Louisville has got a lot of love, but I, I'm, I'm fine with my Miami Hurricane pick. I'm feeling good about that one. I, I thought about making it my double dog, but it's not going to be this week. All right. Yeah. Jump it over to the Big Ten. You know, Purdue has a very good basketball team, but they do not have a very good football team. And uh, they are traveling to Northwestern this week 
Northwestern is the home favorite, minus one and a half in this one. Kevin, how do you feel about this matchup of mediocre Big Ten teams? Yeah, the the mediocre Big Ten Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Boilermakers. I'm going to go with Purdue to win this one. Uh, I, why? Mainly because I'm looking at the pick list, and I can look and see who picked who. So I know that cheating. I make up ground. Now you're cheating. Ground. You're sign stealing. <laughs> hey, man, call me Connor Stallions. Um, uh, get, give me Purdue, the Boilermakers. All right. Would you like to make it a double dog? Nope. I'm, I got I got plenty of doggies today. Okay. All right. Um, so I went with Northwestern in this one. I don't really know why I went with Northwestern. You know, talking about another team that was involved in some controversy, Northwestern was sort of the center of that before the season started because they had the whole uh, hazing gate going on. And, and Northwestern sort of embraced the role of like, oh, it's us against the world. but I think Michigan has eclipsed them at this point uh, in in terms yes, of that. very much so. <laughs> yeah. Who cares about a little hazing when you got sign stealing? Um, Michigan is thinking that, you know, it's it's them against literally the world. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll pick Northwestern. Landon is also going to pick Northwestern in this one. So, so far, we're not weighing in anybody. Let's see if we do it this time, though. We got UCF at... Texas Tech. Texas Tech minus two and a half at home. Both teams coming off wins, um, if I remember right. Um, UCF just got the huge win at home in their home, not homecoming, but the space game and those uh, citronaut blue space uniforms that they wore uh, against Oklahoma State. And um, I told you, I told you that UCF doesn't lose in the space uniforms and they, and they came through. Um, but they have not, UCF has not looked good on the road, although I think they won at Cincinnati, but in the, in the true big 12, uh, games, they haven't looked good on the road. And to me, Texas Tech has a little more firepower. Um, so I'm going with Texas Tech in this one. What about you? Yeah, I appreciate that space game, you know, tip. Uh, that might, that's one of my very few wins I had last week. Um, so thank you, Justin. Uh, but actually, I'm still going to run with UCF. Uh, even though they're on the road, I'm still going with the Knights, not Golden Knights, not, you know, Space Knights this week, just just Knights. All right. Uh, give, All me, right. give me UCF to win the game. I'm, sens- I'm sensing a trend here, Kevin. You're just going to pick everything that I did. That's, is that what's happening? Uh, uh, maybe not. I don't think okay. so. <laughs> Look okay. at the next game. I don't think so. <laughs> Okay. Um, Texas Tech was the pick of Landon, the Dawes Doan. Moving on, now we're going to the SEC. We've got a matchup of two teams that Tennessee actually did beat this year. Kentucky is traveling to South Carolina. Kentucky is the favorite, minus two. So we have South Carolina as a home dog, Kevin, but it sounds like maybe you don't you don't think that that's going to give them any motivation to win this game. Yeah, I don't think South Carolina has a signs for Kentucky because I don't think that Kentucky's going to make the playoff or have any chance to make the playoff. Um, so maybe Beamer didn't get those signs uh, for Kentucky. So I'm going to take Kentucky because South Carolina ain't cheating. It ain't very good. <laughs> yes. 
I agree. They have not looked good this year. Um, it's sad that we decided that was our Super Bowl, but you know, at least we won. Yeah, man, ate it for you. Uh, hey, has Spencer Spencer Rattler won his Super Bowl? I don't, I don't think that he's won, uh, like any games this year. I think they might have won two, two, maybe three. Uh, interesting. I don't think they'll be going to a bowl this year. Um, but I agree with you. I'm I'm going with Kentucky in this one. I I never really want to pick Kentucky in anything, uh, but I will pick them in this game. I think uh, Leary has really come on. He's having he's having himself a couple uh, good games in a row. So I think he's going to torch the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. And Landon agrees. So here's our first whammy of the week. Kentucky, whammy you're whammy. on whammy watch. <laughs> whammy watch. <laughs> da, 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 da. Whammy watch. <laughs> All right. Those are the college games. Moving on, Sunday, we've got some NFL action. Steelers at Browns. We got breaking news. Deshaun Watson done for the year with a broken bone. Um, Sucks for him. Actually, it sucks for Cleveland because I think they've got a lot of money tied up in Deshaun Watson. And I think they've only won one game this year that he hasn't started. So, But Cleveland, as of the time of printing, when I picked this game, was minus three and a half. I would love to know if that line's moved. I don't know if it has or not, but right now. on keep, keep going. Okay, on the strength of the news that uh, Deshaun Watson's not going to be playing, I'm going to pick the Steelers. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they're very good, but I'm going to pick them anyway because I don't think, even though it's at the Browns, and I think the Browns have a good defense, I, I just don't think they're going to. I don't think they'll be able to score any points. So, what about yeah, you, it's, sir? It, it's just Steelers, uh, or I mean Cleveland minus one now. Okay, fell down. They're still favored. Um, This, my friend, will be my double dog. There you go. Give me the Steelers. It was not going to be my double dog until this morning when Deshaun Watson broke his hand. Uh, So now it is my double dog because, like you said, I think Cleveland's only won one game without him. And I don't know if DTR is going to be ready to go against that Steelers defense. So give me Pittsburgh. There you go. Landon picked Cleveland in this one. I don't know if he's. I mean, he's locked in. I don't. I don't think we should give him a chance yep. to change. Hate, hate it for you, but he's, he's it for you. He's leading anyway. So if he loses that one, uh, that's just too bad. All right, <laughs> Lana, defend yourself. Come, come to the show. <laughs> next week. Um. Okay. Now we got the Chargers at the Packers. The Chargers coming in minus three at the time of the printing of this list, and Kevin. Um, uh, you got a home dog. Would you like to take the Packers? Hey, man. You know that Justin Herbert has, like, the most yards in the NFL since he's been in the league or something? I think that the most That's yards in step. the NFL since he's been in the league. But he's, like, one – he's, like, under 500 or something like that because his defense is atrocious. Yeah. And his coaching is atrocious. I feel bad for the guy. Uh, but I'm still going to pick the Chargers to beat the yeah. Packers because the Packers are abysmal. <laughs> They're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, Landon also picked the Chargers. I'm also going to pick the Chargers. No reason to belabor this one. <laughs> the Packers are pretty bad. So I was I was actually kind of surprised. It's only minus three on that one. Yeah, I thought that line would be bigger. I think they're finally taking it into consideration. The Chargers' defense is bad. Yeah, that's probably true, but I I don't think that'll matter. All right. 
now we are going with a left coast game at in LA. The Seahawks are traveling down to visit the Rams. Seahawks minus two and a half in this one. And um, I I think that they're the right team to be favored in this game. I think that they, I think the Seahawks are a pretty good team. Um, I think that their, their defense has played well. I They've played well on the road. So yeah, I'm going with the Seahawks in this one. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, I, I think Seattle's going to surprise a lot of people come to playoffs. Um, yeah, give me Seattle. I like Seattle a lot this year. They're, they're looking really good. Yep, and Landon also picked Seattle, which this will make our third whammy watch of the week. I forgot to mention the Chargers are on whammy watch as well. So uh, we got three whammies. Uh, we were trying for no whammies. Three whammies. I think that means that we lose we're, press pressure. I yeah, I think we're about to have four. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up now, we've got the the Vikings and Broncos. Vikings traveling to Denver. Denver minus two and a half. Josh Dobbs coming off a big win at home, looking like the Josh Dobbs that we came to know and love when he was a Tennessee ball. They call him the Pastronaut. We used to call him Astro Dobbs, and now he is leading the Vikings. And and from what I hear. They're basically drawing up recess football for Josh Dobbs and letting him go out there and play. And boy, is he doing it. In fantasy, he put up a bunch of points the last few weeks. If he's on your waiver wire, you might want to go grab him because I know a lot of quarterbacks are hurt. Kevin, how are you feeling about the Vikings at the Broncos? Yeah, man. Uh, It's so cool to see Josh Dobbs dominate. Um, If it wasn't for DeMar Hamlin, like playing one snap this season, because that's all he has to do, obviously, respectfully. Um, I, I think Dobbs would, would win the comeback player of the year. Uh, coming back from what exactly? I, I don't know, but he, he deserves an award. Um, give him the MVP, send him to the Pro Bowl. Oh, uh, you know, Dobbs deserves everything because he's just a baller. Uh, and, and that's why I'm going with the Vikings. I, I, I think they've won like five straight, <laughs> five or six straight. Yeah. Yeah. Starting, starting like, like 0 and 2 or something like that. Um, yeah, man. Vikings continue to roll. They're, they're, and, and he's doing it without Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Hopefully that's get crazy. Justin Jefferson back. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, our guy's going to thrive. So, Dobbs forever. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled with how things are going for him in Minnesota. I, I mean, I like that he had a couple good games with Arizona, but I hate that franchise. I think most people do. Um, the Vikings, it's fun to see him doing well up there. He's playing in front of a, a really good fan base. He's in a good organization. I thought he, I think he's got a good head coach. I would love to see him stick around. I, I don't know if, you know, what happens when Kirk Cousins comes back. I legitimately think Josh Dobbs should be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, oh, like, yeah, he's shown that. Yeah, for a, for a team permanently. And I don't know if it'll be the Vikings, but it would be cool if it was. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Vikings, and this is going to be my double dog of the week. Because in Dobbs, I trust Landon. Landon also uh, chose the fighting Josh Dobbs, and this is his double dog of the week. So we got two double dogs, which and it's a whammy game. Whammy watch number four. Um, but this next one won't be. So Monday night, we got Travis Kelsey. We got Jason Kelsey. We will probably have E Swift in the house, I would imagine. No, not probably. She's going to be there. <laughs> she'll be there and her parents are gonna meet travis's parents for the first time dude 
Oh, I've big, never been so excited for an NFL. <laughs> this is big news. Uh, so Eagles at Chiefs. The Chiefs minus two and a half in this game. Uh, Landon picked the Eagles. Kevin, I'll let you go first. What do you think is going to happen in Kansas City? Uh, if you think I'm going to go against Taylor Swift or um, the, <laughs> the Chiefs when Taylor Swift is coming, you're wrong. <laughs> so give me the Chiefs. The chefs. Yeah, the chefs. The chefs are going to be cooking. Um, all right, that's fair enough. I, I, that's very fair, and I wasn't even thinking about the Taylor Swift effect when I wrote down my pick for this week, but um, I, I chose the Eagles. I'm going to stick with it, although I feel like I'm wavering a little bit just because I think you're right, but I'm going to give you this one. If, if, you, if you win this game based on the power of Taylor Swift, then more power to you. Um, I saw a TikTok a couple days ago, and it was a little girl. She was wearing a Chiefs jersey. <laughs> and her mom asked her, she was like, are you excited about this football game? She's like, yeah. And she was like, well, why are you excited about it? And she's like, she, basically her answer was, she she doesn't really know anything about football, but her favorite player is, is Taylor Swift. <laughs> so. Of course. And they're official. They're official official. Oh, Mama yeah. Is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me? What? What? I melted. Yeah. It's pretty magical. What a love story. It, it's a love story. Baby, just say yes. Travis, just say yes. <laughs> well, so we're at the center of the Taylor verse, and, and that's where we will end it for Pub Dubs this week. Good luck to you, Kevin. I hope you make up some ground, but also I kind of hope you don't because you picked mostly uh, a lot of different teams that I did. So I like, winning. I like winning. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to make it up somehow. But, uh, yeah, so we thank you guys once again for tuning in and giving us a listen. I want to give a big thanks to you, Justin, for hopping on here and talking scandalous with me and uh, going over the crazy stuff in, in Ann Arbor and crying about the balls. It's been a good time. Um, another big shout-out to Joe and his now 10-0 JMU Dukes. Yeah. Oh, and sad news. I don't know if you saw this today, but the JMU's waiver – to, to play in a bowl game this year got denied sadly yeah, uh, sadly so. uh just indespicable that's uh, way to go ncaa way to be dummies again yeah. um but yeah like you said justin landon should be back next week uh so we'll have our third chair back again and we hope you guys enjoy the show uh be sure you can give us a follow uh on the socials at boozy sports pod uh we hope you guys enjoy your fun sports filled weekend And until next time, bye-bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Moonshine and Scoreboards. Moonshine and Scoreboards is a Tri-M production and is hosted by Kevin Scott, Landon Doan, and Justin Krutzinger. Our engineer is Joe the Engineer. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Podcast, or anywhere you get your podcast. You can email us at moonshineandscoreboards at gmail.com. Subscribe, tell a friend, and come back next week for all of the fun, the games, the moonshine, and, of course, the scoreboards. Thank you.